0: Hello and welcome back to the Church of Jesus Christ study session with Come, Follow Me. I'm your host, Matthew Roberts, and this is Series 2, Episode 191 of this daily study podcast. Thank you for joining us as we are continuing with with our Come, Follow Me study for this week in July the 6th to July the 12th, covering Alma 30 to 31, The Virtue of the Word of God. And today we are carrying on with our study of um, basically the experience of Corihor, covered in Alma chapter 30. Uh, The title in the manual is The Book of Mormon Can Help Me Resist the Influence of Those Who Try to Deceive Me. Now, uh, we are continuing on from verse 25. I want to try and reach the end today, but we'll see how we get on. I'm not going to rush it, uh, but there is a lot to cover here. Now, in Alma 30, verse 25, Corihor continues his arguments with uh, the high priest in Gideon. He says, Ye say that this people is a guilty and fallen people because of the transgression of a parent. Behold, I say that a child is not guilty because of its parents. Now, there's a couple of interesting points here. There, there You have to be careful. When we look at Corrie words here, and also the words of the Zoramites, there are a number of things that they say that you might actually agree with. You know, we do believe in the Church of Jesus Christ that men should be, shall be punished for their own sins and not for Adam's transgression. Um, you know, And so we can see here that there are some things that, or some half-truths, that Korihor and the, later in Alma ch- chapter 31, the people of the Zoramites believe, that could be similar and are similar to the things that are true doctrine. But then there are things that are in there which make these not true. For example, Korihor believes that there is no Christ, and he also believes, therefore, that the fall and the effects of the fall are not of consequence to them either. Um, now we know that, you know, we are not guilty for our parents, the transgression of Adam and Eve because of the saviour, but he argues that there is no saviour and there is no law against what happened to Adam and Eve as well, uh, and that they don't have an impact on us. And, the, the, and we cannot deny that the fall has had, has not, we can't deny that the, that the fall has not had an effect on us. It has, it clearly has. We are able to die. We are, we are immortality in a fallen world. We're able to have children. There are effects of the fall upon us, but the negative effects do not have to last with us forever because of the atonement of Jesus Christ. And it's ironic that um, Corihor argues that this fall shouldn't have an effect on us, but he also tries to argue that there is no Christ. He also he almost seems to, you know, try and say that we are are alone in this universe and there is nothing that has an effect on us at all, which is not true. Uh, but we have a, an opportunity to. Uh, have the blessings restored to us through Christ? Uh, in verse seven, uh, 27, he says, "And thus ye lead away this people after the foolish traditions of your fathers, and according to your own desires, and ye keep them down, even as if it, as it, as it were in bondage, that ye may glut yourselves with the labors of their hands." Um, you know, I think that we need to remember that we sometimes disagree with things that our leaders say in church, but we cannot, um, you know have the the belief that they that they gain from us because they just don't. Uh, President Henry B. Eyring said, Quote, Corrie Hall was arguing, as men and women have falsely argued from the beginning of time, that that, that to take counsel from the servants of God is to, is to surrender God-given rights of independence. But the argument is false because it misrepresents reality. When we reject the counsel which comes from God, we do not choose to be independent of outside influence. We choose another influence. Close quote. This is very insightful from President Eyring. He's saying that just because we listen to and obey the prophets, doesn't mean that if we choose not to obey the prophets, we are free. We are just choosing another influence. We're choosing another direction to follow. And that is obviously the, 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 the following of Satan. Now, obviously, those that do not believe in a God will necessarily state that, well, there is no God and there is no Satan, therefore you are free because you're not keeping those commandments by men given by these prophets who are men. Who aren't inspired of God, uh, and so obviously this will not, you know, argue with people that don't believe in 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 any God, that you that they are made more free. But we understand this because of the um the world that we live in and the premortal existence which you came from. After all this discussion, the high priest in, in uh, Gideon sees that there is no, you know, there's no reasoning with this man any further, and so he decides to send him to Alma, and the chief judge in all the land, um. Now, he begins, as soon as he gets to Alma, you know, it's interesting that um, Karihor, sorry about that, Karihor seems to have uh, his moment, if you like, uh, because he's been brought in front of, you know, the chief judge in all of all the land, and he's been brought before the high priest of all the church. In verse 31, it says, and he did rise up in great swelling words before Alma, and did revile against the priests and teachers. So it's almost like he's got what he wanted. He's, he's got his audience with the main man in his mind. Alma, um, you know the chief judge, the chief high priest of all the land, and he begins his arguments. Um, and Alma just rebukes him and says, "I've not received one senine for my labor. You know, we we don't work for for gain. These are not true. These these uh, statements." Uh, and then he asks, begins to ask Corihor about if he if he has a belief in God. He says no. And Alma says, "Well, what evidence do you have?" He uses the same argument that Corihor has about you know receiving evidence that there is a God. In verse 40 says, Alma says, and now what evidence have ye that there is no God or that Christ cometh not? I say unto you that ye have none, save it be your word only. It's this argument that really the the existence of God cannot be argued against. It can't be evidenced against. Yes, you can find evidence to say that there are natural processes in this earth which cause the earth to be created and for the planets to be aligned in the way that they are. But there is no argument to say that there is no God. It just it just cannot be done. Um, And those that, you know, try and argue this will will not have really any evidence against the fact that there is a God. They will have evidence to explain why things happen. But this doesn't mean that there is no God behind it. Gerald Lund uh, said this, quote, Alma takes Coriohor's own philosophy and catches him in a trap of his own making. Coriohor teaches that we can only know what we can see. But when questioned, categor categorically denies he believes there is a God. Corihor is not consistent in his own thinking. If we truly can know only those things which are which we have empirical evidence for, then we cannot teach that there is no God unless we have evidence for that belief. And Corihor has no evidence. Close quote. Um, I think would be well worth it. Be well worth for, for believers of God and Christ to to understand that and remember that. Because people cannot argue against your beliefs. People cannot argue because they don't have evidence against it, particularly in the evidence of there being a God. Um, It just cannot be done. So Corihor then tries to bring this back to his own own arena and say, well, I I like evidence and you've pointed that out. So give me a sign that there is a God and then I will believe. Um, Which is obviously, you know, kind of how these discussions kind of go. Rodney Turner uh, said this about um, sign seekers. And it's something which I firmly believe, you know, that the, those that ask for signs aren't really looking for a sign to um, give them further proof of God's existence. Rodney Turner said, quote, the sign seekers, the God tempters, presume to put the almighty on trial by challenging him to prove his own existence. In their pride, the corridors of this world set up the preconditions under which they may condescend to believe. But it is all a sham; their insistence on signs is not meant to foster faith but to justify doubt and the seed of faith will never grow in the soil of doubt when where there is a will to doubt, a heavenly sign or evidence will be ignored, rejected, or rationalized away Close quote. and that is so true. the number of times that you know when I've taught people or, or shared examples with people, even less active members of the church, even you know, they say, well, you know, I want some proof. I need some proof. And the fact is, is that because they have this soil of doubt in their hearts, then that seed of faith will never be planted truly. They need to have an open heart and a humble um, attitude in receiving and searching for the truth of God. And they will find it uh, when they have those, those conditions set, but not when they are trying to prove the, the non-existence of God. And Alma then says this, his famous verse in terms of all things denoting there is a God. He says that there is all the testimony of his brethren, all the holy prophets, all the scriptures that are laid before him, and all things upon the face of the earth. He he lays out all of these things, uh, these four evidences that there is a God. But of course, you know, they aren't a heavenly manifestation that Karihor perhaps is looking for. It is testimony after testimony after evidence in the sky and the earth to show that there is a God. Um, Neil A. Maxwell made an interesting point about the the heavens and the revelations that have been given about the heavens. Um, he said, quote, Through multiple revelations and translations, for example, came a description of a universe far, far exceeding the astrophysics of the 1830s, a cosmos containing worlds without number, and advising us further that the inhabitants thereof are begotten sons and daughters of God, found in Moses one thirty three and Doctrine and Covenant seventy six. The restorations, revelations, and translations accommodate a vast universe. Thus it is no surprise to us that scientists' later estimates of the number of stars in the universe is approximately seventy sextillion more stars in the sky, scientists say than there are grains of sand in every beach and desert on Earth. Close quote. We truly have a great blessing to know of these things through, through revelation that there are indeed many countless stars in the sky and many things that denote that there is a God. Science has caught up with this belief that there is worlds without number. Um, and so we can see that in verified in scientific findings. Um uh, of course, none of these were good enough for Corrie and what we'll do is we'll find out tomorrow what happened as a result of his continuing his insistence of searching for a sign, and how this links into uh, learning about the people of Zoram, the Zoramites, and we'll go into the chapter 31 with that. Thank you very much for listening today. I hope you've learned something from this study that you found interesting or that has helped in your own personal study of this section. Uh, please do share your, your feedback, your comments, your thoughts uh, by our email, Session at gmail.com. Or indeed, if you're willing to join in a future podcast episode, then you can email there as well. And there is obviously the Facebook group. You can join Church of Jesus Christ Study Session with Come Follow Me, where you can share your own thoughts and studies on there as well. I'd love to hear from more people on there. Uh, and I try and share something each day so you can keep an eye out for that. Thank you for listening. And until we meet again.